Welcome to Mom Blogging Unplugged, where we go behind the scenes on all the things that people won't tell you about this crazy mom blogging world. I'm your host, Erica. I'm a mom of two, marketing expert, blogger behind Mumbreak, and lover of all things deep fried. I think that this world of mom blogging is a bit too cagey, so I am going to bring on guests for you who will answer all the tough questions and things that people don't usually talk about. I want to help take your blog to the next level by giving you the real information without beating around the bush. On today's episode, we have Sophia. She is the brain behind the blog Veggies Don't Bite, and she's a vegan food blogger who creates beautiful and delicious recipes that don't necessarily feel like mm, you're sacrificing delicious food just to eat vegan and plant-based diet. But here's the catch. She's so much more than a food blogger, and today we are not even going to talk to her about her vegan food blog. We are going to talk to her about Instagram and strategies and working with brands because, guys, she is on track this year to replace her full-time income and salary as a teacher. So this woman is legit. She has found ways to convert her super engaged, organic, loyal following on Instagram into money from brands and actual revenue. So I am super excited for you guys to listen to this episode because honestly, Sophia doesn't sugarcoat much. She just says it how it is and gives the most practical tips and advice for engaging with your audience and making short little tricks and tips in Instagram. So I'm super excited to announce Sophia and I'm going to bring her on board now. I am really excited to have Sophia here from Veggies Don't Bite. She is a vegan food blogger who is crushing Instagram right now and just really doing things in a unique way in her own style. And also the really cool thing about Sophia is she's converting her Instagram traffic and engagement into playing clients. So Sophia, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So maybe we can get started on why blogging? How did you get started in this crazy food blogging world? So that's always the question, right? Every time it's like, why are you here? What are you doing? Um, So I, back in 2010, we had our first son after struggling for about a little over three years through every type of fertility you can think of. And four IVFs later, um, we had our first son. So we got pregnant very quickly with our second as a huge surprise. Um, We were not expecting it. And of course, when you go through fertility, you really don't think about that. And um, so our first two kids are 15 months apart. Oh, okay. And yes, they're close. (laughs) So my husband had always had like, it's it's very genetic in his family to have high blood pressure, high cholesterol, those types of issues. And he had been on medication most of his adult life. But after having two kids back to back, the stress of fertility started um, traveling every single week for work. Um, I stopped working, um, because of a variety of reasons. Um, I was a teacher for 14 years and my husband traveling, my school district was just, it was an amazing school district, but a lot was changing and things were changing in my job that was going to demand more time. And he's just like, you need to stop. Like this isn't going to work. His, um, medication really stopped working. And so he started seeing a new cardiologist, um, up in our area and his cardiologist suggested maybe, 
instead of meds, you know, he's like, I'll totally give you a different medication, increase your dose, whatever. But if you're interested in really some long-term changes, I highly suggest you watch this documentary and maybe we look at this as some, you know, dietary changes. And, you know, my husband came to me one day and I'll still remember this. I'll never forget. It was the end of September. I was in bed with the baby nursing or something like that. Who knows? You're always, you know, doing something with a baby. Some blur of an activity. Right. Some blur of an activity that was happening. And he looked at me and he said, I want to try eating plant-based. And I basically laughed in his face. And that sounds so mean, but I was like, right. Okay. (laughs) I'm Greek and he's Italian. And I, I, I mean, we considered ourselves healthy, quote unquote healthy. You know, we weren't like, we didn't eat fast food. Um, But he was like, no, I'm serious. He's like, I feel so terrible every single day and I need to make change in my life. So me being the person that I am, I'm like, all right, I need a month to research because I research the heck out of everything. That's just who I am. (laughs) And I'm like, we can't like just jump into, you know, like we need to research. I'm, I'm the prep prepared type of person. And I took the entire month of October and, um, I just did a bunch of research and I said, all right let's do this. So for 21 days, we eliminated all animal products, caffeine, gluten, sugar, and alcohol. The alcohol almost killed me. Everything else was super easy. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, we, cause the reason we did it for 21 days is because even in the business world, it takes 21 days to make a habit. So we decided to do this. And there was a few little other books and online sources I found that had this 21 day elimination diet. So for 21 days, we eliminated everything. Um, I did some practice runs of, you know, what we could eat, but we were, you know, back then we were pretty limited. Um, I wouldn't say it was super challenging, but it definitely got boring pretty quickly. Um, and after that 21 days, we looked at each other and he said, so I am starting to feel better. And so we decided that, and I was postpartum and postpartum was a very, this was only about five months after my son was born. So I was still very new postpartum. For me, with all my kids, it took a full year to like feel like normal. And all these people, they're like one month later, yay, I'm back. I'm like, whatever, you're not normal. You're not real. <laughs> um, no, it took me a full year. And I even just to lose the weight, to, and I'm naturally a very small person, I'm fit. It still took me a full year to get back and then some. So I was in the you know, trenches of it. And I was starting to feel better. And so I was like, let's do this. And so we, we took a step back because him and I are very anxiety based people. That's just who we are, our personalities. Um, and we wanted to make sure we, we found some balance and to go into it slowly. The 21 days we were pretty strict, but after that, we kind of took a little bit of a step back. Um, and we did it about like, you know, 90, at that point it was like probably 85, 80% of the time. Um, we didn't eat meat, but it was the dairy mostly and the eggs that kind of like still kind of came in. Um, but three months into it, he had, his doctor had taken off him off all medication. Oh my goodness. Really? And he, uh uh-huh. And he had lost 30 pounds. Oh my goodness. I love a good steak, but that is compelling. Yeah. So he's a, he's a big guy though. He's six, four and he wasn't, um, fat by any means, you know, and a little bit around his waist. Like, I'm not going to lie, you know, as you get older, you know, we, he was in his forties at that point. Like, you know, things you start to gain weight in places. You don't usually gain weight, but he, the dad bod totally. And he's got a darn good dad bod. I'll tell you that. Um, 
dad bods are sexy because if they're great dads, they get the dad bod. Totally. Yeah, I'm good with dad bod. But yeah, he had yeah. he had the weight to lose is what you're saying. A little, just a little. I mean, it wasn't a ton, but he he didn't mean to lose the weight. It just happened because of these diet changes. And people don't realize like you can eat healthy, but for him and for us, like people ask me all the time, why'd you do it? And I'm like, well, I did it because he's my husband. And if I'm the cook, like if he's going to change, he can't make this change alone. There's no way he could have made this by himself, no, there's no way. you know? So yeah. And so I supported him. Our kids were babies at that point. So they didn't know any different. So we made the change over to a mostly plant-based diet. And I just had to pretty much remake, start remaking things that we had always loved. We didn't want to give up. We're both huge foodies. So it's funny, like people are like, oh, you ate a lot of salads. I'm like, we actually didn't. We're huge foodies. And so I've always been a very creative person. And I took my creativity that I had as a teacher and all the art I used to do, and I put it into food. And I also was a very um, science-based person. And cooking is very science-based. And so I um, I did a lot of practice, trial and error, you know, researched online. And I'm now what I do is like so much different than it was back then. But back then it was like big for the moment, for the time. And people started really liking what I was doing. And they're like, oh, you should start a blog. And I'm like, no way. I hate writing. <laughs> I always hated writing as a young, like growing up, like it wasn't my thing. Um, but people started asking me for recipes and I was like, all right, well, maybe I will. And I'd stop teaching. I'm like, it'd be something cool to do just for me. So I started it as a little side hobby. And early on, I met a few people that, um, I met up with some people and I went to this expo, the natural foods expo and met up with them. And they introduced me to some other people. And I started making a little bit of money on the side. And now I, this year I am slated to replace my teaching income. So wow, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a journey. I, I, I mean, I'm, I feel like life takes you to where you're supposed to be and, it definitely has taken me to a place that I love. So, well, and it's it's so funny because you can your creativity and that science based building of recipes very much shows through even just on your Instagram feed. Because if you didn't see the headline that you're a vegan food blogger, looking at those pictures, you would never assume that these are vegan recipes. Like these look, and, oh my god, it's the create level of creativity is out of this world. Well, and that is my ultimate point. And I'll be honest, if I didn't have to use the vegan label for SEO or to gain traffic, I wouldn't use it. I, so my background is special education. I have a master's in special education. I taught special education for half of my teaching career. And then I taught first grade for the other half, which is actually very similar to special education because first grade is a huge learning year with reading and writing and all those basic building blocks, which is what I taught my kids with learning disabilities. But part of my, um, training and teaching is you always learned person first language. So you would never say the autistic child. You'd always say the child with autism. And that is something that's been ingrained with me because you're, you're, you talk, the autism does not describe the child. The child just happens to have this. So, um, when it comes to food, I feel the same. And I've always, always said that it's just good food. It happens to not contain animal products. It happens to not contain gluten. It happens not. So it's just being creative and using your resources and practice and trial and error. And I mean, I've had recipes that came from a 
a failure of another recipe and a texture. I was like, oh, wait, this creates this. And so it's always food first for me, food first language. (laughs) And if I didn't have to call it vegan or plant-based, I wouldn't because I feel like sometimes it's a stigma, I guess you can say. And I've started to move away from it a little bit um, if I can. But unfortunately with SEO and all that stuff, you you have to because that's what people are searching for. No, that absolutely makes sense because if you're a person who's looking for, let's say, a vegan alternative to lasagna, as an example, yeah. they're yeah. going to be searching vegan lasagna, right? So now yeah. you did mention one thing that was interesting, well, really exciting, um, that you're going to be re- you're on track to be replacing your teaching income this year. And the first question that popped yes. into my head is, how long did it take you to get to that point? Because so often people message me and say, you know what, I want to give blogging a chance. I'm going to jump all in and quit my job. But I'm not sure that that's a realistic expectation if things like bills and whatnot are need to be paid, if they're going to need to build their audience and build um, that following first. So how long did it take you to get to that point? So this is an interesting question because um, I didn't look at my website, my brand as a business until September of last year of 2018. So from the time I started up until September, it was, it really was a side gig. I was a mom to three young kids. I was, um, on the PTA board. I volunteered every week in class. I ran school auctions. I, I did my mom gig first and foremost. And I did this blogging thing on the side and I made a little bit of money. I I mean, for, for, I live in Southern California. So for us, it was a little bit of money (laughs) for other people probably was, you know, more money. But again, I, you know, I was doing it on the side whenever I could. Um, and then I was asked back in 2016, I was approached by a publisher to write a cookbook. And I almost said no, because as I said, it was a side gig and I did not want it to take over my life. But my husband convinced me to do it because he's like, I was turning 40 that year and he's like, that'd be such a cool thing to do before you're 40. Like they approached you, like you can't give this opportunity up. I'll take the kids on the weekends. Just do it. It'll be six months of your life. So I did. And it was six months of my life. Like all, anybody that thinks that it's just this amazing, like Hollywood icing to write a book, like it's, it's not like, I'm going to be honest. Like it was amazing. I did it for me. Don't do it for the money. Cause you're not going to, I mean, yeah, I made some money off of it, but the work that you put into it, it took over my life for six months. Um, and it was challenging, but I, it was a great accomplishment. So I did that. And then I was super burnt out. I was done. So I pretty much half did it, um, for almost a year. My book came out in November, 2017. And so I kind of did it on the side whenever I felt like it. I wasn't, I was posting maybe two or three times a month, if that. Um, And then over the summer last year, my family and I, uh, my family's from Greece. We took this huge family trip to Greece away for about um, a month. And I came back really re-energized and my youngest was starting preschool and my husband's like, well, you know, what do you want to do? He's like, you're, you can continue on with what you're doing. Like no pressure, but have you thought about it? And I thought to myself, I think I want to do more. And so I happened to be on Facebook looking for a tech guy because that was my number one thing I wanted to have help with was the tech side because that's what overwhelmed me a lot. And I happened to fall upon a thread about a 
brand pitching course. And I'd always loved working with brands. I had done it with a few brands, a few big brands, um, through networks, mostly, um, a few brands that had randomly come to me. Um, but I really enjoyed that. I love the creativity of taking a product and bring it to my audience in a new and creative way. And I saw this pitching course and I thought, you know, maybe I should do that. So I emailed this woman named Jenny Melrose. (laughs) (laughs) And I still remember it was midnight on a Monday or Tuesday night. And I basically poured my story out to her and I was like, she's going to think I'm crazy. And I'm just like, whatever. She probably won't even get back to me. So I hit send and I woke up in the morning to an email from her and the rest is really history. I um, just immediately loved her and knew that she was like going to be a big part of my life. And it was just this instant connection between the two of us. And I got her pitching course. I started mastermind, doing masterminds with her. I do one-on-one coaching with her now. Um, she just had such great insight and really turned my business around. And I would say within two months of working with her, I had doubled my income and now I've more than tripled it. Wow. And just, and that's with a lot of work too. I'm going to say that I, everything she taught pitch perfect pro, like everything she taught, I did it full hardly a hundred percent my heart and soul into it. So I made that switch to making it a business. It was like, not just because I, you know, everything she taught, I did to the T. So I just have to put that in there because I feel like sometimes people like think that there's magic pills and it's like, there's not like I put a lot of hard work into it. No. And I think that's such a great point because I mean, I'm sure you get the same question a lot. How do you grow your audience? Well, the answer is I work my ass off. I, I have committed to it with my time. I've given my heart and soul into it. I have committed and invested money into learning how to grow it. It is, it is something that I spend so much energy on and I've worked at it. It's not something that happens overnight. And I mean, you committed to this brand pitching course with Jenny. And the reason I laugh for those of you who are listening is because, um, I, the reason, the way Sophia and I know each other is through Jenny Melrose, because I also joined one of her masterminds and did her uh, pitching course as well, which has also been very beneficial to me. So it's, um, she's created a really nice little network of people. Um, but my question about that is, is that a lot of people really struggle, especially if they're trying to turn it into a business in investing in their own personal development. Do you find that yeah. you really committed and went all in because you had some skin in the game or was, what was the, what was that moment that made you say, well, I am going to go balls to the wall on this and I am going to give 120%. I just wanted to, it was my, it was, I felt this deep desire to do more. And I feel like whether I had been blogging at that point, I think it was about four years, let's see, 2013. Yeah, it was four years. Um, whether I had been blogging for four, four years or not, I feel like you don't know what you don't know you know, like, and Mm -hmm. I had been blogging. I also, you can put it this way. I'd been blogging for four years and I still hadn't known most of what she taught me. And I feel like the one thing I talk about is that there's no training you go through for blogging there. You don't, I don't have a degree in blogging. I don't, I didn't know anything. When I started it, I literally knew nothing. I didn't know about websites. I didn't know about photography. I didn't, everything I've done, I taught myself up until that point, because I'll be honest, I didn't find 
a lot of, I found a very small group of people that were helpful in the food blogging world. A lot of people in that food blogging world are extremely competitive. They don't want to help because they see you as competition. Um, I found a small few people that like were helpful and supportive, but in general, I didn't get a lot of help and I didn't, there's so many courses online. Like I didn't even, I don't know. I didn't even, I didn't invest in any of those because it was a felt like a lot of it was so broad. And so like, I was like, well, I don't know, is this going to be worth it? But I knew when I saw pitching that I could do that because I liked doing it. And it was something that I love to do and I wanted to do. And so I feel like you kind of have to like, if you don't like to do it, you're not going to be successful because you're not going to put your effort into it. You know, like you have to find what is your thing. And I, um, and then I talked to Jenny too. And like, I just, I could tell that she was going to be good for my business just because we connected. And the one thing she told me as we're talking about this, what we're talking about today, one of the things I told her in my email was the, 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 platform that I had focused on growing was Instagram when I first started. And that was, I think a big thing for me is, um, Pinterest as well, but Pinterest was kind of an easy thing for me because of the food. And I had back then I used one of the, um, board booster, which is an old platform that's not allowed around anymore to grow Pinterest. And that was kind of an automatic thing, but Instagram, I grew a hundred percent myself by putting myself out there and interacting with people. And I'm really good. My teaching career has taught me how to read people and how to work with them and, and how to see what they need. And that is just something that comes natural to me. And so Instagram grew pretty quickly for me. Um, but at some point it, my engagement and my, um, likes, I guess you can say, and all that went down big time. And I had told Jenny, I said, well, my Instagram account's pretty good size, but like, it sucks for me. Like I get nothing. And the one thing she emailed me back and told me was, your Instagram account doesn't suck. It's that you're not using stories and people now are not in the feed anymore. They're in stories. And it put a light bulb on. Cause I knew something. it was back when stories were just starting. And I was like, huh. And that's where it all took off for me. And I'm like, if this woman knows and can tell me something like little like this, I can't imagine what else she can help me with if I can start working with her. And so that little tip that she gave me just snowballed into her helping me with my entire business. It's, it's crazy that something so small can be so almost earth shattering from the perspective of, okay, this makes sense now. And you've taken that and you've absolutely run with it because your stories are great. You have a ton of engagement in your stories. So maybe let's talk a little bit about Instagram. Uh, you do have great engagement and you're right. The trend is moving over from the feed to stories. Um, but why do you love Instagram so much? It seems to be your sort of happy place. You know, I love Instagram because I feel like it's one place that I could really showcase who I am. And I've always been a really real person. I've always been really real. Um, as I said, I, that sometimes turns people off, but I feel mm-hmm. like I am who I am. Um, I Growing up, I was a terrible liar. I got in trouble every time I lied to my parents because I was really bad at it. Um, And so I don't really, like I wear my heart on my sleeve and my close friends know that. And um, I feel like in Instagram, I can showcase who I am and I can reach those people that, that need that realness because the social media world, as 
I guess you can say an older person. I'm turning 42 in July. And so I am not old, but I'm definitely older than a lot of, you know, of the young crowd that's up and coming on Instagram. I, I feel like there's so much fakeness and so much, I guess it's just fakeness in the online world to be perfect and to showcase only the good things and to show people. And even those sometimes I feel like that can, that say like, Oh, this is a bad day. I look at them and I'm like, is it though? Because it doesn't look like you're having a bad day. Like, <laughs> you know, I just, I just feel like there's so much, like, it's so hard to keep up with the Joneses on that. And I try to show as much of my real life as possible. There's definitely things I don't show because I give so much of myself. There's things I do keep private just for the privacy of myself and my family. But I show my kid tantruming, you know, I show when he decided like I made food all day and he decided not to eat it. Like I, (laughs) I try and showcase as much as that as I can to show people that this happens to all of us. And, um, you know, like I had, I've cried a few times (laughs) online, which I hate because I, I, I don't like crying in public, but there's been a few times where I've like, I've kind of lost it, but I just thought, I just think it's real. And the big thing too is when you're in this vegan plant-based world, and I'm going to gain some haters on this, but it is a very bully-inducing world. And it's a world where I feel like there's this sense of perfection. And if you don't, if you're not, if you, you know, don't do this hundred percent of the time, like you can't, you know, you're not, you can't do it. You know, that kind of pressure. And I've come on the, my platform multiple times and said that it's not a black or white thing. Like you, it's a great area. Like you don't have to do it hundred percent of the time. I personally feel that even if you're eating one plant-based meal, you're doing yourself some good. And I just want people to know that. Like I, I'm trying to create a new space of a low pressure way to get yourself healthier. And for me, my why is my husband's health. If your why is the environment or the animals or something different, then if that's your why, but I feel like whoever you are, if this vegan community were to just stop judging and, and I'm not saying everyone is like that because there's a lot of people that aren't, but in general, I've heard from so many people that it's such a pressure filled thing and that a lot of people don't even want to go there because they don't want to do it hundred percent of the time. So they just don't do it at all. No, I can absolutely see that. And to your point about being real online and you naturally have uh, the kind of personality who's, you know, not afraid to speak their mind and be open and candid and honest. What would you, what advice would you give to people who are maybe starting an Instagram account and they're not naturally that outgoing person who can put themselves out there? It's, It's a difficult position to be in because then sometimes unintentionally they may end up falling into that spectrum of looking and appearing fake. So what easy things can people do to start showing their authentic self if they're not naturally a super candid person? Well, I, I, you know, I think that you definitely, I mean, and I'll be honest at the very beginning, like I wasn't like this. I became like this because I, it didn't feel good to me. I tried to be in that world of being perfect and watching and doing everything, it just stressed me out and it didn't feel good. So I naturally migrated over, but I feel like, you know, give yourself a little, a a few boundaries. And as you get more comfortable, 
just like in anything, as you get more comfortable, you will start giving more and more. And that's just in any sort of relationship, really. Like think about when you meet your spouse or you meet a friend, like at first you're not like barfing all your emotions everywhere. Um, sometimes I do, <laughs> but I mean, I, you know, it's funny cause my mom actually will tell you that I'm actually quite an introvert and nobody believes me, but it is true in new situations, especially big crowds. Like I'm a pretty quiet person and unless I'm one-on-one or in a small group or you get to know me, um, I feel like online is easy for me because it's not face to face. And so it kind of helps me let go of some of that, you know, introvertedness that I have. Um, and the story part is so great because you can redo stories as many times as you want before you post that. So <laughs> I feel like practicing is huge. And one thing that, um, I have said that like helps ease tension when it comes to videos and stories is have your, have it be like your kids, if you're okay with that, or your pets even before you put yourself out there, you know, like make it more about other things first until you get comfortable. Um, and then slowly bring yourself into it. It doesn't have to be just you at first, let your audience get to know things about you. Like if you have a pet, like have that be part of it. If you like to garden, have that be part of it. You can share things that you love and things that you do without having to share yourself at the beginning. And then it starts getting your audience connected to you, those people that share those same things. And that's the point. That's why there's enough room for every blogger because there's billions of people in this world and different people are going to connect to different things. And not everyone's going to connect to me, which is totally fine. I will be honest. I don't think I ever want to be this huge blogger. I'm happy being in a little bit of a smaller space so that I can actually connect with my audience. Cause I feel like when you get to a certain point that gets really hard. And do you find since you've, as you've been growing and as you've been reaching higher numbers on Instagram, do you find that it's been more difficult to stay connected with your audience? Um, I feel like for sure. I mean, with the engagement, like it is going to go it's not going to go into this perfect curve. Like as you grow, your engagement doesn't necessarily grow the same because it, that's just like normal statistics. You know, that's just like totally normal. Like if you have a small audience, you might have like 15% engagement just because you have a really small audience. And that's just like with anything, like your email open rate, the higher your email, your open rate goes down a little bit. That's just normal. Um, I find that I do have to put more time into it. I don't think it's, I, I still connect with my audience. Um, but like, for example, you know, when I post certain things, um, like on my feed, I say post an emoji so I can send you the link. Um, or in my stories, you know, DM me for the recipe. I, when there's certain peaks, <laughs> I do have to sit there for a while and get back to everybody. Cause I always do. So it takes me a little more time, um, but that comes in peaks and valleys. You know, it just kind of depends. Um, but I do try and get back to everybody, but that's what I choose to put my time into. And as I've been growing, I've been taking other things off my plate so that I can make time for that. So that's one of the things that Jenny has like helped me with, with my business is what are you going to farm out? What do you like? When you grow a business, you have to find the things you connect with and that you don't want to let go of. And then you have to find the things that you can let go of because you can't do it all. All these people that talk about balance, it's BS. There's no way. 
to balance. It doesn't exist. Your life. No, it doesn't, no exist. it doesn't exist because you can't, you can't a hundred percent give yourself to multiple things. It's impossible. So when I'm working, my kids know I'm giving my time to my work. And I actually think that's important for them to see, especially in a woman. I want my boys to grow up knowing that women can work. Women can put time into themselves and their work and that's okay. It's not just about them. But when, when with my kids, I try and make it about my kids. So something gives at some point. And in a business, something has to give too. My Instagram is something I'm holding on to, and I've been farming out a bunch of other things. That sounds great. And I want to take a really quick step back because you sort of stepped over something really quickly that I think people would find incredibly valuable because you and Jenny and a few other people I know have a really smart and unique strategy for Instagram. And I think it's it's incredibly um, telling to show how impressive and how, um, how much this actual strategy actually works because you have over 10,000 people. So you have a swipe up. So I'm going to just go back and say, you mentioned really quickly to DM me for the link or leave an emoji on a post for the link. Can you explain to people a little bit about that? Because I think this is so smart. And if you guys are listening right now and you're complaining that you don't have the swipe up, I don't think it matters at all. Try Sophia's strategy no. here and it's going to take you a long way. So do you mind just elaborating on that for people? No, not at all. So this is definitely something that like I learned from Jenny and she has a whole podcast on this. Um, so Instagram is about engagement. Like that is what they want on their platform. They're a business just like we are. So if you're not using their social platform to engage, you're not using the platform because that is all what a social platform is for. So when I do my feed posts, I have been trying a few different things, but I've fallen upon the one that says, leave me an emoji or leave me whatever in the comments below and I'll, I'll DM you the recipe link. The reason that is, is because it forces people to leave that emoji, which forces people to leave a comment, which then gets you to engage with them, takes them to your DMs and you start a DM conversation with them and it helps you not only get to know your audience because you can talk about them. Like if it's a recipe for like these protein balls that, um, I make, I would, you know, maybe say like, are you into quick snacks? Is that, you know, what do you like about it? Or they say, Oh, I'm going to make these tonight. And then I say, okay, make sure you let me know and tag me. And then they tag you and it builds that relationship and it builds, it builds your, you know, connection with them. It also gets those comments going in your feed. And so, Instagram, when they see, when they see engagement in feed posts with people, they show those people more of your stuff because it's not a tricky algorithm. There's no tricks behind it. The point is that people are engaging with your things. Instagram thinks, oh, they like your stuff because they're engaging. Therefore they want to see more of it. So they give them more. And it's this cyclical thing. Same thing with stories. When you put that swipe up in there, Instagram is not, they're seeing, okay, they clicked a link, but then it stops there. There's no more cyclical in Instagram. If you do that, it just stops. If you say DM me for the link, they're sending you a DM. You're again in their direct messages. You're engaging, they're engaging, you're building your audience. Instagram sees, oh, they're engaging with you. They might want to see more of your stuff. Therefore shows more of your stuff. On top of that, your stories 
go to the front of their story feed because they're engaging with you. And so Instagram says, oh, they want to see more of it. So not only your feed posts go up, but your stories go up there. And that is how you get yourself in front of more people. And it's not a trick. There's no trick behind it. It's just you're giving Instagram what it wants. It wants engagement, period. That's it. I think that is so smart. And if you guys are listening, really what, just try to, you need to try to get into somebody's DMs or vice versa, get into their DMs because then you're going to have so much more engagement and you're going to get in front of them. And it's such a simple, strong strategy. I love it. Well, and I'll tell you it works because when I like, and I'm not saying I'm perfect. I don't, I, there, when there's times that I'm busy, like I had a couple months ago, my, um, my mom's sister, my aunt was tragically killed and I, Instagram was not my number one. <laughs> I was away for the funeral for four, five days. And I actually had my VA posted my stories because I wanted to keep my readers going, but she just posted swipe ups because I was not going to be online. And just the last like couple days as well, I've had some family stuff going on. So I haven't been as active as I normally am. I notice drops in engagement when these things happen. Do they go back up as soon as I start engaging again? Yeah, they do. So that's another thing is remember like if you go through times where things are overwhelming, this is not like if you stop doing it, you've lost all this. You don't. Like it goes up and down like anything. Give yourself a break. You know, as Jenny says, give yourself some grace for things. Like it's okay to do this for a while to get yourself some engagement. And if you're overwhelmed by something, like take a step back. It's just when you do engage, it goes up, period. That's it. So when you're saying you notice drops in engagement, are you noticing the drops in feeds or stories and or both? Both. I notice like in my numbers, um, if I'm not connecting with people in my direct messages, it just, it all, it's all very cyclical. And I've been trying some strategies too with hashtags. Um, I'm all about, I'm a science girl. Like I love testing things and, um, and I don't care if it like, you know, hurts my numbers. If I test something, I've been testing some things and they're it definitely affects it because my last two feed posts have not been super high at all, which is fine. <laughs> um, but it's also good because you, it's good to test because you can also test like the types of things your audience want to see, wants to see. So type of content. So I can tell you like my audience comes to me for what you said, those like delicious looking posts, salads, things like that are not necessarily their thing, which is fine. Cause it's not hundred percent my thing either. So when I post something like that, it doesn't get a lot of engagement, which is good information. It's like uh, one thing Jenny has also taught me is failing forward. So when you fail, it doesn't necessarily mean you're taking a step back. It's just giving you more information to make decisions for the future. So the type of content your audience comes to you for. And I also did some, um, I looked at some insight numbers and I asked some questions to my audience and they strongly love my, like when I do a story, like a three slide story on a recipe, like the steps to make it, they love that. Like I did one of those polls and that was overwhelmingly what they wanted to see. And so using what Instagram has to offer to find out what it is your audience wants is really important too. That's fantastic. And other metrics that you're keeping track of. What are some of the key engagement metrics that you track? And actually even what are some of the metrics that brands care about that you've worked with? So, um, if you, um, 
I, so I have a little free and we'll t- can talk about this later, but I have a little free cheat sheet that I sent that I have people sign up for, for Instagram stories. And to get that, you get on my, my Instagram email list. And one of the things I do with my Instagram email list is I send out every Wednesday, I send out an IG tip of the week. And it's just a little tip or trick that I've learned that I send out to my people. And actually one of the ones that I sent out was it today? I think I send it out every Wednesday morning, um, was one of the metrics that I was doing some research on when I was looking at metrics is that is really important is the next story metric. So it's yes, views are important and those types of things. But if you look at what people are doing in your stories, when they tap to the next slide, they're interested in seeing your stuff. When they leave your slide, that doesn't necessarily mean they're they don't like it, but maybe their kid walked in, right? When they go to the next person's story, that's what's important because that means you bored them. (laughs) So if you look at, there's a way to go into Instagram and look at your recent posts and find the next story metric and look at the numbers for next story and look to see how many people on which posts they're going to the next story. Is it all the posts about Maybe your people don't like memes. Maybe that's when they're leaving you. Maybe like, it just depends. You have to look at what it is. But next story means that you pretty much bored them and they're going to the next person's story. So that is the one thing that I would say like is a quick little tip to find out what it is that your people like is next story. Um, As far as brands go, um, Jenny actually was just at Everything Food Conference and she talked to a bunch of brands and Metrics are huge for brands right now. And one of the things that she told us was just the basics, like numbers. Yes. You know, they do want a variety of different size people to work with, but if you have really high numbers and your engagement is super low, that doesn't really mean anything. So numbers are important. It is important to grow your audience as long as you're also growing your engagement. So just growing your audience, is not a huge deal. And also because Instagram They're trying this in Canada. They're starting in Canada first, but they're doing a trial of taking away likes on your feed. So what they're doing is they're doing a trial. They want to stop showing likes to people. You can still see your own likes, so people can still like it, but they won't show the people the number. And they said that they're doing this for multiple reasons. One of them is they want to encourage content creators to create what's natural for them not what will get people to like their post, which is huge because that means they're really going into authenticity and being who you are so that you can attract your audience. The other reason they're doing this is for mental health of young people and taking away that ability to be um, validated just purely by a like number. And they also want people to, uh, they want to encourage real engagement. So through comments and stuff like that. So brands are looking for that. If those likes go away and you're buying likes because that's what people do, you're done. Like you better start increasing that engagement because you can't do that anymore. You can't buy engagement. It's easy for Instagram to, I mean, not easy, but they're able to get those bots much easier than they are like buying likes. It takes a lot more to buy comments, you know? So brands are looking for those impressions. They're looking for that engagement rate, but they're also looking for things what Jenny taught us was that they're looking for things that can compare to traditional media. So being able to show a brand, this engagement compares to the traditional media out there. 
because before these social platforms, before influencers, it was ads. It was what people were looking to at the commercials. They could track those things. So now we're tracking these things and they need to have those numbers to compare. And if you want to close those brands, if you start saying like, oh, you know, I can give you numbers that will compare to your traditional media, that's what's going to get them. So when you're pitching a brand, uh, just really high level, let's say you're pitching them, I don't know, just for the sake of example, you're pitching them uh, a blog post and Instagram posts and a couple stories. What are some of the key, what are the top three, let's say, key metrics that you are either sharing in your media kit or that you're sharing with the brands to say, hey guys, I'm awesome, pay me money. What are those three metrics that really you think are essential to showing, sharing with the brand? Well, I mean, I definitely, I share, I share with them, my media kit includes, you know, my numbers for sure. Um, at this point, I feel like I basically like give them my media kit. I give them how many followers I have. Um, I definitely give them like monthly page views and sessions, um, through Google analytics. I give them my, um, like my percentage of female, you know, country, like those types of audience percentages. But one thing that I do have, have found brands that brands really love. I currently use, um, a program called influence kit, which, um, I'm able to put all my deliverables in and it, it brings up a nice little page of my, uh, statistics, my results from campaigns. Um, I know that there's another one that Jenny was talking about that I'm really interested in too, that is coming out to compare, but basically it's just being able to provide with them, um, after their campaign is over all those metrics, those views, those impressions, those comments, those, um, that engagement, all those metrics, having a way to do that. And I like to tell brands like, this is what I do. And sometimes I show them an example of like an old one. Brands have loved that big time. Um, another thing I do is through Pitch Perfect Pro, through Jenny's program, she taught how to put together a culmination document, which is the top engagements, the top comments, the top um, things that have come out of a campaign. You pick like, you know, your most successful deliverable. Um, and you, I send that a month later. I send the influence kit link with the statistics right away because that's live. They can track that. It's a link and it tracks everything live as it goes. So if they check it in two months, it'll have all the updated engagements. But the culmination document I send um, a month later and I say, you know, thank you so much for working together. I'd love to work with you again. Here is a snapshot of our best, you know, su most successful deliverable, like in one, in one little page. And I put the numbers at the bottom of all of all the campaign um, deliverables at the bottom. And they just really like that. They love that follow through. They love those numbers because it gives them solid evidence that working with you reached these people. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, it, like traditional media, because in traditional media, they can track that. No, that's fantastic. And I mean, you know that I use influence kit as well. And it's the feedback that I've gotten is I think primarily based on the fact that we're acting as if we were a business, because exactly. if we were a traditional business and I, so many bloggers, I feel like think of themselves like you did before you got started yeah. and really you had that epiphany moment they think of themselves as just a hobby. So they're yeah. not taking things like follow-up and metrics and yep. key insights into, into play. So I think that's a, I think that's a really important tip because it's not always the fun stuff to do. The tool like Influent Kits, it makes it a lot easier, yeah. but if you don't have the budget, then you still need to do it. And it's not the most glamorous work. No, but it's work. I mean, you have to do it because 
in any other business, they track these things. Like you're, you, you know, they need to see results in order to want to work with you again, at least if you want long-term work and brands talk, PR agencies talk, I'll tell you, like, that's why you always have to stay professional because you can get a name, you know, PR companies, like they will talk to each other. Like I actually got a huge job from another job where the PR company had, we had a great, um, successful campaign together. And they actually gave my name to another PR company that they knew that they had worked with. And they had gone to them and said, Hey, you know, we're looking for some influencers for this. And that's how I got this other job. Like, that's like a big deal. Like you need to make sure that you're treating yourself as a business coming across as a business and, and connecting with people positively or else, you know, it could, it could ruin your career. I mean, think Hollywood when someone, you know, is high maintenance, like it gets around, it's the same thing. And okay, that's such a good point. You talked about the tools you're using with Influence Kit as well to help you position yourself more as a business. Are there any other tools that you're using, whether it's for scheduling or sales or uh, invoicing? What are what's your toolkit of software applications or even phone apps look like for you right now? Um, so I right now, um, I I've farmed out a few things like I um. I tailwind for Pinterest and I have a Pinterest strategist VA who like deals with that. I don't do any of that. Um, I do have, I have a few different people that I, that I, that I have work with me to take things off my plate. Like I said before, um, I have, that's mostly my tools is my VAs that I use to do everything. I have somebody that does my invoicing for me. Like I got, this was like a couple months ago. I got to the point where I, was using so much time to do those post processing blog post things like invoicing brands, influence kit, culmination docs, all those things that I ended up hiring somebody to do it. Um, just because it gave me back more time to work on, um, my, you know, redoing my old posts and being on Instagram and making those connections. And I'm working on a few products right now, you know, doing those things. Um, but those are like influence kit. I use convert kit for email, which I absolutely love. And I actually have somebody that I do work with for my email. Um, she's like an email strategist that I do pay to do that just because I feel like that's been super helpful because email was one area that I struggled in and it's doing great now. Um, I use, Oh, I use, um, lead pages, which is another like online platform, um, where I create like sales pages and my, for my, um, one page opt-ins, I use that. Um, are you scheduling Instagram posts at all? Are you doing those through? No, I am not. No. I, so Tailwind does have an Instagram scheduler on it. I, I use, I'm going to go back to what I personally think and everyone has a different opinion, but I personally feel like Instagram wants you to use Instagram just like Facebook wants you to use Facebook. And in Facebook, I have a VA who schedules my Facebook posts. She schedules them with the Facebook scheduler. They have that scheduler because they want you to use the tool. Instagram, I use their tool. I go in and I, you can batch your posts if you want. Um, I don't batch too far in advance because I kind of like to fly by the seat of my pants with Instagram because I like to read my audience and see what they want that given week. But I will go ahead of time and prepare a post and then save it to my drafts in Instagram. <clears throat> that's, that's what I use. And then I put my timer on my phone for my optimum posting time. 
And I, when my timer goes off, I just go in there and post. Um, that is the way I do it. Story-wise, I kind of do stories as I go because I also believe that Instagram wants you to use their tools. Um, I feel like the days of everything being perfect and pretty and using those outside things have kind of come and gone. I feel like people just, I don't think pretty pays. That's just my opinion. I think that, yeah, it has to look appealing, but that, that time you're going to take to make it perfect is not going to come back to you in reward. Ultimately, we want to grow our audience and ultimately we're a business and we want to make money. And so in order to do that, you need to use your time wisely. So my Instagram stories, sometimes um, I have a few, there's a few apps that are quick and easy that I like. Um, one of them is called Spark Post and one of them is called Story Art. Um, Spark Post is cool because you can go in there and set up a bunch of like recipe photos you can use their tools for text and all that. But what I did some testing on is I did for about 10 days, I did, I uploaded, I created all my stories on Spark Posts and I saved them there, saved them to my camera roll. And then I just went into Instagram stories and I would just put the story up. That's it. I wouldn't add anything through Instagram. And my engagement hmm. fell. And I feel like, I feel like, when you don't use their tools, I think Instagram just wants you to use their stuff. I mean, it didn't fall tremendously, but I noticed a difference that when I go in there and I just put in a picture and then use the Instagram text, I use their gifts and I use all whatever, my, my engagement just goes way up. It's so, it's so neat though, because so, we all have sort of um, thought that that might be the case, but it's really interesting to see anecdotal evidence behind it, right? Because they so often say, well, you have to use the Instagram tool and then tools like Planoly and later come out and pump you full of information saying that you don't need to. But if you have literal proof that if you're in the app, using the app, you're going to have better engagement. Well, yeah, because they want you in there. And if you're using the outside tools, you're not in their app as often. So they don't see you in the app. It's not necessarily like I guess you could put up a story and just stay in the app forever. Maybe you'd have to try that. But I feel like when you're spending your time in outside apps, creating the content and then bringing it in, you're spending their time in the outside apps. You're not spending your time in Instagram. And when you're not in Instagram, Instagram does not read you as wanting to see things. You know, like it's, that's the point is they're reading your time spent there and what you interact with. So how much time a day do you spend in Instagram right now? Um, I would say like it varies, but on my busy days. So my, one of my tricks is I put my timer on and I don't do this every day. Like I haven't posted since this morning just because I've been busy, but generally on a general day, I put my timer on for two hours and every two hours I put up a story. I interact a little bit in feed. I go through stories and interact a little bit. And I would say that maybe like 10 minutes, five to 10 minutes every two hours, I try and do it. Um, I also, if I, I do it, like if I'm in line at Target, I'll throw in, I'll, you know, open up my Instagram and interact a little bit, little bits throughout the day. So I wouldn't say I sit there for like an hour at a time, but I would definitely say that it adds up. Um, but it's little pockets of time that I'd be staring off into the distance or doing something anyway. For sure. And actually one of the things I wanted to ask you earlier that I want to jump back to really quickly is when you're, when we talked about your strategy of 
getting people to DM you for the link or leave an emoji for the link on a feed post? Are you literally just getting in the app and copying, pasting the link to, let's say, hundreds of people? Yes and no. So the one thing that I have to say, another thing I've tested is, so when I do a poll, that's the other thing is when you, I use their polls, their questions, I use all their features. And that also helps with interaction. So when I do a poll and I see something like, do you want to see a sweet or a salty recipe? And someone clicks on sweet, okay? You don't just leave it at that. You go to that poll and you go to those people and you message them, what kind of sweet recipes do you like? Chocolate, do you like vanilla? Um, you have to be careful because I did one poll about something and I tested copying and pasting the my interaction with somebody over and over and over again. I had like 20 different people. I try and go in with my polls like so it's not all at once because then it takes way more time. But if you copy and paste the same exact thing, you may trigger a spam. So you don't want to do it over and over and over again like quickly and consistently because that triggers like kind of a spam, a bot type trigger. And remember that this is an algorithm. This is a machine. Like if you trigger it, just like if you have a house alarm and you open the window, it triggers the alarm. It doesn't know that it's you. It's just a machine, you know? So you have to be careful with the copy and pasting. I try and I copy the link, but I also try and interact with somebody. So I'll say, absolutely, here it is, or sure thing, here you go, or so happy you want to try it, and then I'll post the link. Okay, so you're getting a little bit of variety there, so you're not looking like a bot. Yes, I do. Um, the polls is when it gets, like, it does get tedious, but you have to just be careful because you don't want to trigger the spam. Like, you could do it, like, a few in a row and then come back and do more later, um, but that's why I try and go in there every once in a while, and I don't do it all at once. It's so funny because I, I tested that uh, strategy today on my stories and I asked people if they wanted to see a blog post, yes or no. And I, I started chucking away at it slowly as, you know, kids were taking breaks or I was in cars and now, you know, 250 people later, I, I just can't keep up. So uh, maybe we'll just keep chugging along, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It's a slog. It's and But that's at work that you come back into talking about. It's, it's a business. It's not necessarily all sunshine and roses and free stuff and money from brands. It's work to get there and people don't see that. Yes, absolutely. I I think um absolutely. I think that you have to be careful with like I mean it's it's part of your brand though. That's part of what you do. So you kind of have to put that time into your into your day. It's just absolutely like you're trying to you get people back. Yeah. You can't ask people to engage with you and not engage with them back. Right. So, okay, you have a couple really cool uh, things for people. You have a freebie on Instagram. You have a mailing list with a tip of the week. Tell me a little bit about those things that you have for people. So right now I just have like a little one-page story guide on like the little tips and tricks for stories and like what I do for them. Um, there's going to be more coming about Instagram later down the, down the line. But right now, I just have this little one-page freebie just as like, you know, for people to look at for my little tips and tricks. And then to get that, you have to enter your email address. And um, on the email address, I just email once a week right now with an IG tip of the week. And it's like a little tip or trick that I found. Um, I've, I have a bunch of them that I've sent out already. 
Um, but like this, this one that went out today was about the next story metric, which is, um, I think a really, you know, easy one to look for. I've sent out things like, um, how to do something, you know, some, you know, how to maybe do something. Um, I sent out one last week about alt tags and that is one thing that, um, it's starting on Instagram and I sometimes forget to do it, but it's really important to do it is when you're putting up a feed post, there's a little advanced settings and you can put an alt tag in there. And the alt tag is the same as your alt tag on your blog. It's basically just a description of your photo. And not only does that alt tag help you help that photo be discovered in Google images, but it also helps give Instagram more information. And when they're looking to show things to people, so let's say it's a photo about like, I don't know, a kid's toy of some sort. And someone Instagram, someone on Instagram has a lot of hashtags they follow on kids' toys. Well, when Instagram is looking to show that person more stuff in a feed, if you're describing that well, they're going to use that description to help show your stuff more. If you don't put an alt tag, they're going to describe the image for you, and it may not be how you want it to be described. Those are such small but fantastic little tips that I know make a big difference. So where can people actually get that one pager and sign up for your weekly tip of the week? Um, I can send you the link. Um, it is just, um, it's just a link from um, I, a link I created. It's my website. You can search Instagram story um, on my website. Um, you can, that, it's in there, but I can also send you the send you the link. I'll link it up in the show notes as well. And you know what? You can even go message Sophia at Veggies Don't Bite on Instagram and get into her DMs. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Find me on Instagram and send, and um, DM me and or email me, whatever. I'm mostly on e- Instagram and email. Those are like the two main areas that I'm that I am. I don't my other things I practice not as often. Um, but I'm always on Instagram and I'm always on email. So any of those send it to me and I will send you the link for it and um, I'll get it. I get to that really quickly. I think that's going to be my new slogan. DM me for the link. <laughs> it's it, yep. it's a good one though. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. So you can go follow, uh, go follow Sophia at, on Instagram at veggies don't bite and DM her for the link for her freebie because she has – and I, to get on her mailing list too because I know that she have, you have some exciting stuff coming up, which uh, I'm assuming will be announced on your to your mailing list at some point in the future. And trust me, you guys won't want to miss it. And she has a lot of really great tips and um, recipes as well. Actually, you're actually inspiring me to eat a little bit healthier. <laughs> Aww, thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Some of these tips were – oh, my goodness – so, so, so useful and very practical. So I appreciate that. Um, it was really lovely chatting with you. Okay, there you have it. Some super useful tips on Instagram, blogging, reaching out to brands from Sophia's of Veggies Don't Bite. Make sure to check her out on Instagram at Veggies Don't Bite. You can DM her for the link to her freebie as well as to join the weekly newsletter, which is going to give you that super awesome Instagram tip of the week. And as always, it is now officially time to say awkwardly to you, please like, comment, subscribe, all of those fun things. But really, the reason why people ask for those things is because it goes a long way to show content creators that they're on the right track for creating content that makes sense 
for you. So if you like this content, go ahead and subscribe to the channel because then maybe later down the line, I can see a whole bunch of people have subscribed and I can pitch a big sponsor and land a sponsor for this podcast. See, it's as simple as that. It's proving value to the sponsor. And also I want you guys to be able to stay up to date on the new podcast coming up. You can also find me on Instagram at mumblogamplugged or you can stalk my personal life at mum.break. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. We will chat with you online. Thank <laughs> you.